If you have your copy of God's Word, I would love for you to book, turn to the book of Mark, chapter 10. It's a very familiar passage, and it's familiar because it's in all three synoptic gospels, Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, it's about children, little children. In Jesus' day, little children were to be barely seen, never heard, and never, ever to interfere with adult matters. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke record this. But they're recording this one time Jesus uses little children to teach about the blessing of grace. Because that's what this is really about. Let me read this passage and then we'll talk about it. Starting with verse 13 of chapter 10 in Mark. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. After taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and blessed them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage, even though it's short, even though it's kind of wedged in some places we just don't understand sometimes. We see your divine, omnipotent grace poured out on these little children, indicating how it will be poured out on us. Give us that lesson this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you describe our church, the people here, as a people of grace? Would, you, would, you, would visitors see God's grace here? It's a question that kind of came to mind this morning, as, or this week, as uh, Jesus was having this confrontation with his own disciples about grace. Grace must be the aroma of a church. Grace must be everything about us. Otherwise, we're just a club. Otherwise, we're just a group of people that decide to get together on Sunday morning and do certain things, and there's no grace here. There's no Jesus here. Jesus tells us that grace makes all the difference, and he uses little children here as an example of that. Jesus continues to reverse all the worldly ideas of who is important, who is first, who is a servant, who is the greatest, he's turning all that upside down. And this time he uses little children to make his point. So Jesus makes it clear in this passage, to enter God's kingdom, in other words, as we would say, to be saved, you must receive it as a weak, lowly, unworthy soul. That's the way you must see yourself. So what grants the kingdom to anyone? Well, it's God's unmerited, unearned, undeserving favor. It's nothing we do. That alone grants us access to heaven. And I want you to see these little children this morning as examples of exactly how we are to receive the kingdom of God. Verses 13 through 16. I'm going to read it again. It bears reading again. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. 
when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. After taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. So after Jesus has given this divine ruling on marriage in the passage before, after he's talked about marriage and divorce and given God's position on that, he begins teaching about the, re- the grace that redeems divorce and any other sin. He begins that lesson here. So some people are bringing little kids to him. Now, Luke uses the word baby, the word for baby in the Greek, in, this pas- in his passage about this. So these are not sixth graders. <laughs> these are not fifth graders. These are not fourth graders. They're probably from zero to three years old. Itty bitty. Like the ones we got in the nursery that I was just talking about a while ago. Yeah, so it's not children who kind of have an awareness of wrong and right. It's little children. So the parents probably are bringing them there. And they were wanting Jesus to touch them, which was kind of a custom of the day, having a rabbi uh, touch and bless children. It was just a custom. But remember from Mark chapter 9, where Jesus used a child there as an example, we learned that children in this time are low on the position level. Their status is not very high. Little children are just something to deal with, not necessarily someone important. Children were the future legacy of of people back then. Matter of fact, I've talked about it before that children were kind of like their 401k, but it really didn't become apparent until the child had survived young childhood and got to around the age of 12 or, or the age of accountability. That's when the child became important to the parents. Otherwise, they were just someone to tend to. Well, Jesus offers this blessing to them, but <laughs> our trusty disciples interfere. They rebuke them. They block them. They intercept the children. No, 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 no. Y'all aren't going to bother Jesus. Why would they do that? I'm sure there's multiple reasons, and the Scripture doesn't really give us any clear guidance, but we just already know from their attitudes about who's first and who's important and who's the greatest that they're probably thinking this. Now, best case, they probably genuinely wanted to protect Jesus from interference or interruptions. That's probably the best case. That's really giving them the benefit of the doubt. Most likely, they wanted to exert their own authority over these little children. They wanted to express that they controlled, they were the gatekeepers for Jesus. They controlled his time and his access to him. They wanted to keep Jesus to themselves. <laughs> and probably all of us would too. They wanted to seclude him, to sequester him a little bit, to, to keep his time and resources focused on what their idea of important was. That's what they wanted, probably. That's what we would want. Well, that's not important, Jesus. I want you to, walk, I want you to talk about you, to you about this. So in the, in the disciples' eyes, the little children, and I'm going to keep using that phrase, little children, they were not worth the time or the effort because of their social status. I mean, they don't even have any money to contribute to our cause, Jesus. They can't follow us. They can't get in a boat and fish with us. They're, they're zero to three years old. I mean, why? But Jesus strongly disagreed. He strongly disagreed. Mark is the only one in the three accounts that uses the word indignation, uses the word for angry. It's just not even fun to get Jesus angry at you, I don't think. He was angry at the disciples for their arrogance, 
for their presumption, for their self-importance, and for their dullness. They still weren't getting the fact that it's the last that's the greatest, not the first. And it it really isn't just about the children. Jesus is upset because they're just not getting the picture. Jesus has been teaching since chapter 8 about who is first in the kingdom of God, who's important, about selfless servanthood in the kingdom of God. They still showed an indifference here. They showed an indifference to the lowly and seemingly unimportant people. They were just more interested in who was the greatest among them. They were just indifferent to anybody else. They were still living according to the world's ways. They were still judging everything by the world's ideas of status, the world's ideas of, of, uh, and statutes about who's great, who's important, who should we give time to, who should we spend time with. Who are we fighting here, the Romans, right? Not little children. You know, They can't even take up a sword against the Romans. I mean, that's what some of them are probably thinking. Why would Jesus invite the little children? I mean, he did. He invited the little children. Don't stop them. Let them come. What benefit could his ministry gain from their interference? A lot. See, Jesus shows the world that the kingdom of God, the realm of the creator, belongs to the lowly and the helpless of humanity. Not to the great, not to the powerful, not to the strong, the lowly and the helpless. And that, who is that? Well, that's the ones who recognize. That's the ones who recognize they have no righteousness in themselves. That's the lowly and the helpless. They have no righteousness in themselves. Jesus invites those to the kingdom of God. Those who recognize, I can't earn my way to heaven. I can't make myself right with God. Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous or the healthy. I came to call the sick, the sinner. Chapter 2, verse 17. Jesus uses the little children as the visible replica of those who should receive the kingdom of God. It's a visible replica of who he came to save. Little children. It's who he will die for. Those people, like those. It's who he seeks out. He talks about it in Mark chapter 9. Jesus uses the same phrase here to chastise the disciples, don't stop them, that he used when they tried to stop the guy exercising demons out in Jesus' name. Don't stop them. Don't interfere. What did he say to to them about the exorcist? Anyone who is for us is not against us. Anyone who can cast out a demon in my name will not curse my name in the next breath. The little children are for Jesus too. They're part of the kingdom. They are made for the kingdom of God. Why is this? Well, I'm glad you asked. They had the qualities, these qualities, qualities of dependence, qualities of openness, qualities to receive freely from a benefactor, not to be do-it-yourselfers. Children have the lowly status in their demeanor. They don't realize they're worth anything. They have no conscience of their own worth. They're completely dependent. They are unselfconscious. They don't have any awareness. They're receptive. They're content to be dependent on someone else, to receive their help. 
Children are always available for that. Little children. Their spirit can receive the kingdom of God because it's open to that offer. Jesus uses their qualities as an example for how adults, how adults can be part of the kingdom. I mean, we think we deserve it. We think we, we have a right to that. I'm, I'm a good enough person. I'm, I'm, worth, I'm worth this, but we really don't have a right to it. We can't assert our rights for the kingdom of God. Jesus uses the phrase, such as these, and it implies that people who demonstrate a childlike dependence on God is who the kingdom of God is for. Those are the ones who can receive salvation. A childlike dependence. So Jesus even takes the point further in verse 15. He says, truly, I tell you. Now, whenever you see that in Scripture, it's Jesus telling you, think about this, meditate on it, remember it, put time and effort into thinking about what I am about to say. Truly, I say to you, he says, pay attention to this. Receive the kingdom like a little child. It provides the only way you can enter it. The only way you can enter heaven is like a little child. Receive it that way. So how does a child receive? How does a little child receive? Trusting the one who offers help. Trusting the one who offers help without question, without condition, without caveats, without but, 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 but. They just accept it. They receive it. Accepting the truth that Jesus teaches, realizing salvation is not of their own doing, not of their own earning, no ifs, ands, or buts. That's the kind of receiving that a child does. The kingdom is a gift. The kingdom of God is a gift to be received in the present time and to be entered in eternity. That's what it is. It is a gift to be received. And reception and entry must never be presumed or seen as something we're entitled to because grace alone allows us to enter. We use that word a lot. We sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound. We, we love the quote, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's by grace through faith, yada, yada. But do we really grasp grace? I'm not sure we always do. See, what grace means is that no help or action from the recipient at all. Grace is where you do nothing, absolutely nothing, to get to the kingdom of God. That's what grace means. It means even our response to Jesus and his offer of salvation is out of our control. It's not our own doing. We just involuntarily, really, once we realize we're a sinner and we've ex we realize that and God puts a change in our heart, we involuntarily seize the salvation he offers, the kingdom of God. We really won't argue when we realize we need the salvation of Jesus. Sometimes we, we belabor the fact that some people are grappling with a decision for Christ. And are they going to, you know, and I'm going to tell you, when you know that you need Jesus, you know that you need Jesus. You don't hesitate. You respond. And little children know their needs better than adults know their own needs. They have, they have little, bit of, little confusion or distraction for what they, they need. They need a diaper change, they're going to let you know. They need something to eat, they're going to let you know. They need something to drink, they're going to let you know. That's what Jesus is talking about here. They know their needs. Jesus gives the kingdom to those he chooses, and they are not always the important 
or the high and mighty of society, of the world. Grace tears all of that down because grace supersedes all of that. Grace never looks at who the person is. It just looks at the person and gives them what God intends to give them. Grace finds the weakest and neediest by God's standards, not ours. Grace is not for the cool. Grace is not for the put together and organized. They're they're not for the people who are decisive and sure of themselves. Not for people that know they are. It is for for people that know they are nothing without Jesus. That's what grace is for. In verse 16, Jesus then takes the, the children into his arms and he blesses them. He blesses them. He blesses them. That was the original reason they came. What kind of blessing? I wouldn't be surprised if it was eternal life for those children. That he blessed them with that. Jesus the Messiah shows these little children and their parents his love for them. His compassion for them under the curse of sin and death that's on them. And Jesus is modeling for us what we all should do. Accept little children. Treat them well and be indifferent to how society thinks about them. All who enter the kingdom of God must, absolutely must, trust Jesus like a child to be a true recipient of God's grace. That's my one point this morning. Being a recipient of God's grace. All who enter the kingdom of God must Trust Jesus like a little child to be a true recipient. To illustrate this a little bit, God's God's grace thrown to someone who's bound for hell is a lot like throwing a lifeline to a drowning man or woman. When that life preserver comes out there and it gets close, you don't have to say, grab on to the life preserver. You never have to say that. When it gets near them, they grab it. It is an involuntary reaction to preserve their life. When people realize their depth of sin against God Almighty and that they are bound for hell and Jesus exposes that to them, they grab on to that grace. They grab on to that gift without even thinking about it. They receive it. They welcome it. They accept it and they trust it to preserve their physical life and the illustration. But God's grace does this for our spiritual life. We don't have to convince anybody to grab it. When they know they need it, they'll grab it. Verse 15 in this passage is really the key verse. Really the key verse. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never. That's a pretty absolute word. We, we're told never to use all, never and always. Never use never. Don't use always. But Jesus uses it right here. Never enter it. Got to receive it like a little child. Receiving the kingdom, receiving eternal life comes from our willingness to receive it like a gift given. Jesus is being pretty exclusive here. The world doesn't like exclusive. They want everything to be inclusive, no matter what you're doing with your life. Jesus is being real exclusive here. You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you receive it like a little child. Eternal life cannot be claimed as a right, as something you deserve. It can't be earned as a reward. 
I'm a really good person. See, Paul captures this in Romans 6.23 really well. Simple verse. You all know it probably. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift, there's that word, gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin pays you wages. We all like to get paid, but I don't want those kind of wages. Sorry. Sin pays you wages, but Jesus gives forgiveness and eternal life as a gift, as a gift alone. You don't have to earn it. It just must, it just must be received. You can't make a bargain for it. You can't negotiate it. It comes lock, stock, and barrel, one way and one way only, by grace. See, in this passage, Jesus is saying, I'm going I'm to do a little paraphrasing to help you maybe grasp it. If you come to terms with the nature of what it means to be a little child, then you'll realize if it takes that to enter the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the only way you will ever be in the kingdom is as a result of accepting it like a little child, unreserved, unconditional, and unrestrained. By anything. In other words, it is not about achieving, but about accepting, which runs through the whole story of the gospel. I mean, Jesus is preaching throughout Galilee. His whole ministry is accepting what I'm preaching, accept what I'm teaching. Regardless of how hard it is, the first shall be last and the last shall be first, that's hard. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Anyone who comes to me must hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brother and sister, yes, even his own life, to be my disciple. Those are hard things. Jesus saying, accept them. Accept them. Don't try to achieve them. Accept them. What applications do we see in this passage? So I, want, I, I think three of them jumps out at us. First one, little children are important to God. Little children are important to God. And they're important to God now, but especially in eternity. And let me explain what I'm trying to talk about here. So Jesus took time for these little children. Here's the reason. Little children, before they reach the age of accountability, which we don't really know exactly a good number for that, but before they reach the age where they understand good and evil, they're covered by God's grace. God's grace until they reach that age, whatever that age of accountability may be. Well, why is that? Well, think about it this way. A little child dies in hell would they understand why they were there would they understand why they're suffering no they wouldn't even grasp that so it makes sense that for little children who have no clue what's right and wrong god will take care of them i've answered this question many times after the sandy hook incident several years ago almost 10 years ago now i think um i had to answer this question a lot for people it's like well where are those children well, I don't know. Some of them were elementary age. I don't know for a fact. But I know that God takes care of kids. I don't know where the age of cutoff is, but most of us believe this. They wouldn't understand why they were suffering in hell. They wouldn't grasp that purpose. Yet even with God's graciousness toward them, it doesn't make them sinless. <laughs> if, you, if you've kept kids, you know that. Even with God's graciousness toward them, they're still born in sin even at this point when they haven't intentionally sinned, they've sinned in a, in a way and they inherit that nature. Now, most of us, like I said, believe this. God preserves little children who die unto eternal life. But he preserves them. We believe that. And if you believe that, here's a little shocker for you. If you believe that, you're really accepting what we call the doctrine of election. 
You're accepting that. You're accepting that God elects and chooses who is saved. Because if he does it for little children, he does it for the rest of us. God in his providence, his mighty providence, his all-encompassing providence, he sees children who die at this age as elect, receiving his unconditional salvation. It's the only, thing, it's the only way you can believe that. If you, don't, if you don't believe children are taken care of when they're little like this, then you don't have to believe that. But if you do, and you believe their souls are saved by God's grace alone, it makes little children a prime example of how salvation works. It's all of God, and it's all of grace. So that's the first application I see, that God cares about little children. The second one is more focused on us, our pride. Our pride must be humbled. Man, the minute you think you're humble, you're not. You know that? Our pride must be humbled. It must be ruined. It must be destroyed before we enter heaven. We must have no shred in our hearts that we did this. If we think about our good deeds or our high standing or our pedigree will get us into heaven, we're wrong, terribly wrong. If we only worship ourselves, if we bow to no other king, we can never enter the kingdom of God. And you know what? Our sinful nature clings to this. We do not want to give up our autonomy. We do not want to give up our authority over ourselves at all. We don't want anybody making decisions for us. We can handle it ourselves. We refuse anyone to rule our lives, to rule our marriages, to rule our finances, to rule our sexuality even. People resist that with a vengeance. We hold out onto our accomplishments as if they were worthy of God's grace. Why wouldn't I be saved, you think? We, we tell God sometimes, we'll see to our own salvation. God, thank you very much. That's what we tell him by our actions and our pride. But Jesus says otherwise. There is no way in all of creation you enter the kingdom of God unless you receive it like a child. Hopeless, helpless, weakness, like a little child. That's the path to the pearly gates. That's the path to get you to heaven. We've got to get rid of our pride, our self-sustaining ability. The third application I find is that if our attitude and our earthly mindset about ourselves is really, really low, like we think we're too terrible to be saved, I got good news for you. <laughs> you can't be too terrible to be saved. You can't be. God can give you the greatest gift of all eternity. No matter your sins, no matter your status, no matter your position in life, God's grace can get you into heaven if you receive it without condition. You know, the best example of this, I love, I love this, and I go to it a lot. A lot of questions I get asked around here, for some reason I wind up back talking about this particular example. The thief on the cross. So the thief on the cross, and I don't know if he's on the right or the left, they're, they're condemning Jesus for a while. One of the accounts of the crucifixion goes. And then this guy all of a sudden says, stop. He didn't do anything wrong. We, we are receiving what we deserve. Jesus and this guy begin to discuss eternity. What's coming next? I'm dying on a cross. Don't speak evil of Jesus. Our punish he says, Jesus, his little prayer, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. 
Remember me when you enter your kingdom. <laughs> you know, I just love it because Jesus didn't say to him, I'm sorry, buddy, I wish I could, but you need to come down off the cross and do some good things first. You need to kind of learn some theology. You need to kind of like do some good works, and then maybe, maybe I can squeeze you into the back of heaven, just kind of a skin of the teeth kind of thing. Jesus didn't say that. <laughs> and I'm so glad he didn't say that. No, no, no. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. Nothing more you need do. That's grace. That's grace. He did nothing that we sometimes line up and say, this is what we got to do. If you want to be a Christian, you got to come to this and do that and say this and pray that. and Nothing. He just said, remember me. And Jesus said, I will. You'll be with me in paradise today. Nothing more you need do. That's grace. And no matter where you are, what status you think you are, you need that kind of grace that looks over all of your wrongs and says, I'm going to forgive that one. We may only come to Jesus exactly as we are. We can't pretty ourselves up. We can't change ourselves. We can't make ourselves right. We come to Jesus full of the... I mean, that's why that song is so powerful, Just As I Am. I mean, I know it's got 500 verses, but my gosh, just as I am. I don't have to pretty up. I don't have to be in a church. I don't have to have a Bible. I can pray to God Almighty, and he will save my soul if I ask him. We don't have to have any credits or credibility. Our name doesn't have to be in lights. Just like a child. Just like a child. Receiving the grace of Jesus Christ without reservation is how God, is how God saves souls. He doesn't save them by what we do. He saves them by what his son did. Receiving the grace of Jesus Christ. So Jesus blessed the little children. He blessed them, and he did this to show that they receive the grace of God without any pride or negotiations, without self-reliance on their own ability. They're, they're completely helpless. They have to have the grace of God. So use your imagination for a moment as I wrap this up. Think about these children that Jesus took in his arms and held and blessed. What must these little children have thought when they grew up? Mom, did I ever meet that Jesus of Nazareth character that everybody's talking about? Did I ever meet him? Mom says, oh, Jesus held you. Jesus touched you. Jesus blessed you. And it was a great day. It was a great day. One for the memory books. One for you to tell your children about and your grandchildren. Well, why did he do that, Mom? Why did he do that? Was I extra good that day? She says, no, darling. He just wanted to. He just wanted to. Just because he wanted to. You mean like a gift? A special present for me? Yes, sweetheart, just like that. That's grace. And until we understand it like a little child... We really don't grasp the gospel. Can you receive it just like a little child? Have you received it just like a little child? 
Let's take some time right now and ask God to reveal to our hearts how we can better understand grace, better apply it in our lives, how to remove our pride and our, our, our idea of what we believe about God and help us to understand that we can block God's grace because of our attitudes. Let's pray about that now. We'll have a time of silent prayer and then I'll close this out. Let's pray.